Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The following is a Podcast One Minnesota production. For those who simply can't get enough talk about the Vikings, we present Bonus Chatter. Bonus Chatter about your favorite team that's unscripted, unfiltered, and uninterrupted. This is another edition of 1500 ESPN's Purple Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Purple Podcast. Matthew Collar here with ESPN's Courtney Cronin. Courtney, how are you? Feeling good. Beautiful day out. The week is good. Um, The outlook's looking good. I think I'm I'm happy. On TV constantly talking about Teddy Bridgewater. I mean, he's definitely the topic of discussion this week. Oh, I've noticed. Yeah, I think everyone else has noticed too. Well, Teddy back at practice. And uh, I think it has to be almost tradition by now since he's been practicing for two days. How's Teddy look, Courtney? Oh, Teddy looks good. Uh, We saw so much of him. I saw him throw a ton of different passes. He was, you know, he was doing a lot out there. No, I'm kidding. Obviously, we only, I actually, we talked about this earlier. I think I only saw him throw one pass total, which happened on Wednesday. And I know that Mike Zimmer's going to get, probably pretty annoyed with these questions as they continue because their approach is the same they're going to try to ease him into this they're going to try to take this as slow as possible as you can do in a 21 day window because they do have a decision to make but you know the questions are going to keep coming I've learned in my very short time in Minnesota there is a contingent of this fan base that hangs on every word that's said about Teddy Bridgewater he could breathe and it would be news um which, I mean, absolutely has happened. You know, he's alive. So, I mean, that's newsworthy right there. But, yeah, I think in what we got to see with him in the media portion, I mean, he's doing individual work still, and they're going to try to work him into some of those uncontrolled um, scenarios at some point in 11-on-11, which is going to be big for his knee. And, you know, he said that he feels comfortable with the way that his leg is holding up right now. He's confident enough that he wouldn't have gone back out there had he not felt that it's stable, which, you know, is a big, it's a big sign for a guy that a is a free agent next season. B, if he doesn't come off the pup list, his contract tolls. So there's all these scenarios um, that, you know, he could be trying to rush this along, but he's not. So that's, I think it's a good sign. Teddy talked with us for the first time since the beginning of training camp and only the second time since he got hurt. Well, there's a few things that stuck out to me, but what you just said about his contract tolling, one comment by Bridgewater really echoed loud for me was when he said, mm-hmm. oh, I could have been out there a couple weeks ago. Yeah. 
And I think we all knew what he was referring to, that he was referring to being put on the physically unable to perform list, which would indeed, like you said, toll his contract over to next year, and he would make something like $2 million, which he doesn't want to do. He wants to become a free agent and get a big payday because even if you're a terrible quarterback, as long as you're a starter, it doesn't matter how hurt you are. It doesn't matter if you got benched in Tampa Bay like Mike Glennon, you will still get dollar bills Mm -hmm. if you are a starting quarterback. Or if you're Brock Osweiler and literally never showed that you could ever be good ever and yet somehow got a bunch of money from the Houston Texans. That stood out quite a bit to me. And I guess where my mind is with that situation is I don't see how they're going to get away with tolling his contract. Absolutely not. I mean, the fact is he says that he's been ready to go. And, I mean, that's, you know, training staff. It's kind of like the Stephon Diggs injury. He says he's ready to go. Um, he feels good, but, you know, it's bigger than him. Well, I know we're going to get to that here. Uh, but with Teddy, I mean, they can't afford to do that because that could get into a nasty situation between, you know, the NFLPA, you know, on, in terms of on Teddy's side and then the Vikings. And, you know, it's not even to that point. I just, you know, if he plays, to clarify the situation, he plays, he's a free agent, he doesn't, there's a situation there that the Vikings are going to be looking at with his contract. So I did take that away, too, as, you know, he's been ready. And, I mean, obviously with the pup list, when he was put on it, I believe September 2nd was when the roster cuts were. Um, that's a six-week guarantee right there that they're out of commission and then you become eligible to come off of it with uh you know going into week seven it's it's an interesting situation for sure he's in a good spot I mean you just worry too not trying to get too far ahead um because I I know we'll talk about this but like look at Andrew Luck's situation like dude has to go back to being you know his cortisone shot because he's regressing essentially in his progress forward that's the last thing both the Vikings and Teddy want so that's your bottom line there they want this guy to in one way shape or form be better and feel better be able to perform and he said that he believes he will play Mm -hmm. which I mean what else is he going to say and Mike Zimmer has said that all season long right but the fact that he's back practicing and his I think it's even a big step that he was there at the end of practice today that he's made it through two days and he hasn't had to come off just with the severity of his injury and what he had to go through, even making it through two practices is really good progress for him. He was also asked what the timeline is. And of course, as you might expect, he was very vague when talking about the timeline. However, I think that these people, if you ask them enough questions, I mean, football people, they find a way to let you know whether it's intentional or unintentional. And there was one minuscule comment where he said they've got a plan over the next few weeks yeah which i guess as soon as he came back to practice my first thought was all right there's no way he's playing against baltimore there's no way he's playing against cleveland but you have the bye week there and then you come out of the bye week that gives you that big window right and maybe that's what he's referring to i i don't know but i think he kind of opened that door a little bit to Could you possibly be the starting quarterback after the bye week? And that game is on the road in Washington, or against the Washington Redskins. So technically you're right. I mean, there is that 21-day window, as far as I'm concerned, because we're at day 17, or, you know, on the countdown, there's 17 more days. They could technically make him eligible. They don't have to wait the whole 
21 days, which is why, I mean, it was kind of an obvious thing that Mike Zimmer said yesterday, but is a good point for him to make. He's probably not going to play this weekend against the Ravens. He could, if they really determined, and I don't know if that's ever happened before, where a player either comes off the pup or the NFI and they're ready right away. I mean, at least the team wants to... We've talked about this. There was no way that he was going to come back and immediately right away be game ready, and he knows that. It's more than just, you know, the timetable and, you know, circling a game, circling a certain date. He has to see the, you know, the progress his knee makes with every day wear and tear. And by that, I mean just, you know, being out there every single day under the same circumstances and conditions that Case Keenum and Kyle Sloter are under right now. Being able to be at that workload to get himself ready to know whether he can do this consistently, um, which, you know, in terms of workload, I know Mike Zimmer said yesterday they're approaching it, you know, pump the brakes essentially. Like there's no, I mean, they know, they're not going to tell us publicly, but they know what the workload is. They know how many reps they're expecting him to get each day and, and if there is a progression forward. But there is no hurry, and I know I've said this before, there's no hurry to, to bring him back right now. Case Keenum's playing all right. Like there is, you know, that's a short-term fix, yes. But if you're looking for a long-term answer in Bridgewater, you don't rush this. The schedule really plays in their favor at this moment to keep Case Keenum in and right just now. win with your defense because the Ravens' offense is bad. We'll get to that later. Cleveland's offense is bad. You should be able to just go out there with this defense and defeat those two teams. And if they don't, it would be, I think, a really big upset. If Joe Flacco found it or if Deshaun Kaiser came back and was masterful against this defense, it would be really stunning. So you expect to go into that bye week at 6-2 and despite having to play Case Keenum for a really big portion of the season and then come out of it, and that's where I think things get interesting for when you would want to bring him back if he's ready. Now, getting him ready is a really tricky concept because not only can you not really have people hitting him in practice, even though Stefan Diggs said, I'm sure he wants to get hit. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, Teddy did <laughs> say that yeah, nobody <laughs> wants to be the first one to hit him in the leg. Nobody wants to, even in a game situation. No offensive lineman wants to give up the sack that breaks your leg, a.k.a. Donald Penn on Derek Carr last year. I witnessed that firsthand, like, and how upset he was, just distraught. No defender in practice, let alone, yes, they need to get him at game speed. Yes, they need to put him in these scenarios where he's trying to avoid a pass rush. Nobody wants to hit him. Like, in that is something that Teddy said, hey, you know, when the time's right, essentially, to paraphrase, bring it on. Like, he needs to know, you know, defenders aren't going to care one way or the other when he's in a game. Like, they're not going to say, oh, you know, we feel sorry about your leg. Like, you know, they're just not going to do that. He's in a a scenario now where he's got to get some practice with it. He needs to know how to move in those circumstances. In the pocket, out of the pocket, protect himself, movement, whole thing. And that's something that Pat Shermer talked about quite a bit was Teddy and his value and how much has to do with him being able to move. And he was praising Case Keenum, but you could sort of read between the lines that he's saying if Teddy Bridgewater is going to come back, then he's got to have that mobility because it's now an important part of the offense. I don't know how much it was with Sam Bradford, But when Bradford is healthy, he can move as in rolling out and throwing the ball on the move. He can't really avoid the pass rush like maybe Keenum can a little or 
Bridgewater was brilliant. And that's the thing is we're trying to figure out just how much of Teddy Bridgewater will be back. Mm -hmm. He says that his upper body is stronger. He's throwing the ball with a little more zip. And that's something probably people wanted to see him develop as he went along. He's got a great touch pass, but they want to see better deep balls from Bridgewater. But the mobility gave him a, a chance to make plays where there weren't plays. So if there was a blitz or something like that, he could avoid it. He could step out of it, and then he could throw on the move. It, it wasn't a running quarterback as in gaining 500 yards a year rushing, but it's a big deal, and I don't know how you can really simulate that in practice, and I also don't know how we can expect him to have that back. And when you take a look at the Vikings' practice field, doesn't it only go to 40 yards? Like They can't really simulate accurately a drive that's going 70, 80 yards downfield and his ability to get out and scramble and extend plays. But one thing I did find that was interesting, Pat Shermer said on Thursday, he compared the two quite a bit, which... You don't usually look on paper and say, you know, look at what Teddy Bridgewater has done throughout two years with the Vikings. Look at Case Keenum's, you know, veteran career as a backup. You don't draw too many similarities, but that mobility is something that they have been able to not alter all that much between guys in practice during reps um, and in situations in games. That's, I think, kind of been the key point to this cluster of, you know, quarterback issues that they've had this year. They're not having to do – all that much altering between Sam Bradford to Case Keenum. Um, I think that Case's mobility allows you to do more. I mean, there's no question he's a more mobile quarterback than Sam Bradford. But between Case and Teddy, that line's that line is even is even smaller or even thinner. So um, yeah, I think that's a good thing. And I, but how you simulate that? I don't know. You just just let him run. I mean, is that is that the way you do it? Because Case had some pretty the last two games. Case has had some pretty big scrambles that, um, in key moments against the Bears and the Packers, um, Teddy obviously has had a lot of those, a handful of those in his career at the Vikings. They need to make sure that that element, you know, is still there when he comes when he's fully back. Yeah, there's also the part of just rolling out and throwing yeah. on the run and being able to make that throw and have confidence in your legs. Case Keenum doesn't even think about it because his legs are totally fine. So he's rolling out. Last week, for example, they get a big play where they run a play action, and I think they were in like a heavy personnel, so they've got a couple of tight ends in, and uh, Kyle Rudolph goes to the second level. So Keenum's rolling out. He's got Rudolph 15 yards downfield, makes a good throw. That's a big part of what Pat Shermer wants to do. I think it's become obvious since he's been the offensive coordinator that he loves play action. This team Case loves play action. That's the thing. I mean, his whole career, that's been a staple of it. And obviously they're working to his strengths, but hey, it's worked. You know, I agree with you. That's that's them tailoring it to Case Keenum. So it's not just him being able to move Bridgewater, but being able to make that throw and have confidence in what the mechanics that throw are, which starts kind of at the legs, I think. Uh, I have never particularly made that throw myself, but I asked Pat Shermer about that sort of thing mm-hmm. uh, when I was doing a one-on-one with him, just throwing mechanics and the West Coast offense, and he was talking about just how vital footwork is. So Bridgewater is going to have to show them that before they can even consider bringing him back in. Now, my question for you on Bridgewater is how have you perceived, having just gotten here at this beginning of the season you moving here how have you perceived the teddy bridgewater aura because i'll tell you for myself i had heard some of the quotes from mike zimmer about bridgewater in the past and i really liked teddy bridgewater in college 
in his first season. I couldn't believe that he dropped to the bottom of the draft. So when I moved here, I was excited to see him play. <laughs> didn't, didn't get to see him play. Yeah, but, you were here like right as it happened. Wasn't it like the day you were moving in? It, like, same day. Yeah. Jeez, man. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> but it, it's turned out that some good things like the Lynx winning a championship have happened since I got here. So I can't be a jinx. That's correct. Since Minnesota has a ch- championship since I got here. Okay. And they, and they got Case Keenum. Which has obviously been a huge bonus. So I mean, that was me. You're welcome. Anyway, I'm just kidding. But with with Bridgewater, I was really sort of like, okay. I mean, I like this guy a lot. But the way that Zimmer talks about him is very unique for any NFL player. Like they do share their feelings a lot, just as far as sports goes, because they don't play games very often. So it's a lot of how do you feel about this? But for the fact that he said that he loved Teddy Bridgewater, that he never wanted to see him his team have another quarterback like these were really big statements yeah and so i did a story on it over the off season where i interviewed some of the people from his past and i really came away thinking gosh it's as good as they make it sound like he is as great of a player in terms of character as i have ever been around or seen and i think even just listening to him today you see that attitude that uh, he obviously has a, in front of the cameras or not in front of the cameras where he was talking about what drove him through this was wanting to inspire other people with his story. And I think that's legitimate. I, I don't think that's just not some act. act that he puts on. No, I mean, I remember watching him when he was at Louisville and like kind of on the rise there. Um, and then obviously, you know, I didn't follow the Vikings much before I got here, but seeing that injury I remember I think everybody in in the sports world uh, August 30th 2016 you know knew about it and knew just the severity and the things that were the things that were being thrown around that this you know he's lucky he has his leg that you know Eric Sugarman the you know head strength and conditioning guy here a head trainer excuse me here at the Vikings that he saved his leg very easily could have had to have his leg amputated and the fact that like some people said he was never going to play again and Teddy spoke to that today um, you know a bit of just the severity of this injury that He's very lucky that they handled this as well as they did, that they got the ambulance here, that they moved as swiftly to get him to a trauma one center um, in Hennepin County and keep him stable because a dislocate that's, – that's why there was so much freaking out about Gordon Hayward's injury the other day because a dislocation is the worst thing you can have. Mm-hmm. Like – Bone breaks are one thing. ACL tears, ligament tears are one thing. Nerve damage and dislocations. I mean, he's lucky. So that aside, but you're right with the persona. I mean, I hadn't been here all that long before, you know, I felt he, he's just such an easily approachable guy in the locker room. Number one, he's always there. And that, to me, was a big part of why he's such a well-liked guy in this locker room. Adrian Peterson talked about this when we had him on the conference call before before the Saints game, uh, the week, the season one opener. That when he did his rehabilitation on the you know the MCL ten thousand dollars, however much he spent, he did it. He chose to do it here and not go back to Houston, I believe, because and that says something. You know, guys have any they can go anywhere to do their rehab. And yes, he's been back to Miami. I know. I'm trying to remember when I saw it, but I saw a picture uh, on Instagram of him handing out foods, like, you know, uh, perishable good, non-perishable goods to, like, people. And that was, I think, over the summer. This is who he is. Like, this is, I mean, he's a very, and 
And it doesn't take, you know, being around him all that much. As, you know, media members, we have pretty limited access in the grand scheme of things. But this is who this guy is. And I think for Mike Zimmer to make such prolific statements like that really speaks to not only Teddy as a football player, but who, you know, who he invests his energy in. Um, And, you know, Zimmer doesn't throw around statements like that all that often. I I have a general reporter rule of not ever really believing in any person but trying to focus on what they are as players because of Judd Zolgad's Darren Sharper story. Judd Zolgad and Darren Sharper got along great. Darren Sharper was very nice to Judd. <laughs> this is true. I know where this J- is going. Judd said that Sharper was one of the best guys that he covered, that he was always willing to talk and that he was friendly and nice and would uh, say things off the record to him or whatever when they were just hanging around the locker room. And, well... Darren Sharper's in jail now, (laughs) right, for about the most heinous crimes that you can commit short of murder. So there you go. But with Teddy Bridgewater, there's maybe an exception to that rule of believing that this is the real Teddy Bridgewater. And it's not just based on what we see in the locker room or what teammates say about him, but based on his background as well and what his mother went through and kind of how he was shaped as a player to be able to handle adversity like this, which I think is a real thing. Like um, I talked to a sports psychologist, not for me, because I'm not that great at sports outside of my amazing jump shot. Uh, What about your baseball career? uh, The the baseball career was uh, mediocre, put it that (laughs) way. Uh, But just for a story, I talked to a sports psychologist, and he talked about how some of these players who go through things early in life – are able to handle better when they face sports adversity. Stefan Diggs spoke to that a bit. And Teddy faced a lot when he was growing up. And uh, I talked to Eli Rogers, who plays for the Pittsburgh Steelers. They kind of grew up together. And Rogers' mother was diagnosed with AIDS and was struggling with that. And Bridgewater basically made him part of his family. Mm-hmm. And then they grew together, went to Louisville together, ended up in the NFL at the same time. So you start to see this formed from Bridgewater from a very young age. And now when I asked people, do you think he'll be able to come back? People from his past, like his former quarterback coach, Eli Rogers, nobody had doubt that he would be back. So everybody seeing him here has said, I've seen this guy go through so much already that he's going to make it here. And it really is an incredible story for him to even be back, considering, like you said, what he went through nearly losing his leg. Yeah, and I mean, to, to jump back on that, how, who didn't nearly might have teared up one, one or two times when they watched the video of him giving his mom the pink Escalade? Oh, yeah. Like, come on. Like, this is the best part about sports. We're all human, and that, those are the moments where you get to actually see someone's personality that's not just standing in front of a camera reciting the company line. Um, Teddy is, I mean, he's, he's as far as, like, you know, the exposure that the national perspective has had to him, um, you know, from Louisville, you know, from being a national recruit to Louisville to, to now, that's, that's not changed. That's not wavered. And you mentioned the adversity that, you know, he went through obviously with his mother and you know her her illness with cancer i mean he's been very open about that like and just kind of how it's been motivation for him um with the digs thing i think digs had a good point today um and i know we're going to get to about you know his injury but 
the stuff that that stuff, you know, what you go through in life, it makes it like the injuries are, you know, oh, it's an injury. Oh, well, I'll get through it. I mean, and Diggs lost his father, I believe, from a pretty young age. And, um, you know, everything he went through to where for him personally, it's now, okay, you know, it's another injury. I've got to get through it. I'm sure Teddy probably has some of that, too. There's no denying that this was catastrophic and devastating. No one is saying that, like taking taking away from it. But the mindset of how severe this is and he was able to come back from it to where, you know, he's still not fully back back. Like he's back enough and these mini milestones that he says he reaches, you know, are good, um, you know, good key points for him along the journey to be able to track his progress. But yeah, I mean, I don't think there was any doubt just, you know, given and, and that's the thing, these players, this is an emotional moment for them. They were there. I'm sure I don't know what it sounded like because I wasn't here. Um, I know that Diggs said today that you could hear a pin drop. I don't know if you could hear the injury as you could apparently hear Gordon Hayward's injury um, in Cleveland the other night. But that was emotional for them, too. They're invested in this. He's been here. His journey has been lived through his teammates, and they've been a massive part in getting him back. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he talked about how much Terrence Newman has meant uh, to him. Yeah, he said he didn't want to single anybody out, but like that just shows you what a guy Terrence Newman is as far as a leader, that he's, what, 38? Teddy's 24, 25? Going to turn um, 25 soon, I think. Yeah, so, like, I mean, it's he's te- def- he has that leadership, that veteran role where, you know, he's kind of, you know, is that almost I think as a big brother say, hey, where's that smile? That's exactly what he would come in there and say if Teddy wasn't having a good day. Like, that's something that I think is a really cool anecdote and a really cool part of learning – just how his teammates helped him. I really love how football is so much about sharing. And smiling and sharing, being kind. Smiling, caring about each other. It's really, it's really ironic because, you know, football is all about grit and grinding and all these things that they use. And even uh, there's a famous George Carlin bit where he talks about the football language throwing a bomb and a blitz and how, you know, War terminology is like ingrained in football. Yes, and then he said, but in baseball, when it rains, we all go inside and play tomorrow. But, you know, it really is funny how often we end up talking about the journey that these guys take for their careers of the different emotions they have to go through, the different adversity they have to go through, and how much the players help each other. I'm not surprised at all that Terrence Newman, their lockers are right next to each other that he would be that type of guy. Mm. And I think we talked about it over the offseason, Judd and I, quite a bit about Newman's value to this team that goes beyond just him playing pretty well. So anyway, we'll see what happens with Teddy Bridgewater. We will keep you abreast of the situation on the Purple Podcast. You can believe in that. Um, we'll only be asked about it a thousand more times between now and next Thursday, maybe two thousand more times. Yeah, I know, Mike, and we'll only see him one more. Like, they'll be in London at that point. Yeah, people are going to want to know, hey, is, uh, how's Teddy looking in London? Because right, right. I don't, he won't travel. No, so if he's I still don't on the pup so. list, he won't travel. So Correct. I guess it's our chance to go track him down wherever he is here. We're going to be like, <laughs> hey, Teddy, what's going on? Uh, I would guess probably Miami, depending on the weather here. If it's as nice as it was today, then I'd stay in Minnesota. Um, Moving on from Teddy, though, because uh, we will mention that again. And, and Zimmer said, you guys going to ask me about this every day? Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's going to yeah. be a yes, Mike, since people are asking us about it every day. And it's uh, one of the biggest stories in the NFL now. Uh, but moving on from that, this game, Ravens-Vikings, it's one of the least interesting games on the schedule, no doubt, right? The Ravens It's not are... even on TV. Really? No, it's a like, joke. <laughs> I mean, I, well, I... 
I mean, maybe as a national game, it would only be on locally. I could believe that. Yeah, this, this game is blacked out in all but two states. <laughs> I, I mean, I would, I would buy that because it really does not have a whole lot of intrigue. I mean, this is a team in the Ravens that is the definition of mediocre at 3-3. Three and three. Their defense is pretty good, but it's dinged up. And their quarterback has not played well basically going on three years now. And it's a team that you look at from the Vikings' perspective as already having won. Like, oh, you should beat this team. This should be no question at U.S. Bank Stadium. Is there any chance that the Vikings do not beat the Baltimore Ravens? I mean, I don't think so. I I predicted them. I predicted a 10-point victory. I mean, they've won three games. Three of their wins have come at home. They play really well at U.S. Bank Stadium, and those games haven't been close. I mean, they beat um, 29-19 Saints, beat the – the Bucks by 17 points, and then they beat Green Bay by 13 points. So I think – I don't think it will be close. Um, how it couldn't go well, I guess, if Case Keenum throws – I mean, he's got – like, he's, like, third best right now in touchdown and interception ratio. If the inter- And I think he, he threw his first one last week. So if the interception, interceptions uh, pop up, you know, I mean, there have been some questionable, you know – Calls that could have gone either way in terms of the inter- uh, in terms of the takeaways that that defense has gotten yeah. stuff that you know fifty fifty balls stuff that you know was t- maybe passes were tipped at the line some of those uh, that's where I could see it going wrong but I don't think it will. The only scenario where I could see it happening is that one that you laid out absolutely because I thought the Packers probably had three or four more opportunities to intercept Case Keenum but just didn't catch the ball. Like Blake Martinez had one where it was right in his mitts and he couldn't bring it in. I mean, it would have been a really good interception, but, you know, if you hit a defender in two hands, then you did something wrong as a quarterback. And Keenum does have this tendency to believe a little too much in Case Keenum. You know, I mean, confidence. He gets hot. He gets real hot with, you know, the mobility and, you know, he likes to take off. And everybody's talking about, oh, in the, you know, in the huddle, he's great. He's so enthusiastic. He really believes in himself. What they call him, Wild Case. Yes. (laughs) That's what Diggs called him. I, I covered Ryan Fitzpatrick in Buffalo, and he was like this, where sometimes it would pay off and a lot of times it wouldn't. Where you would think, oh, this guy's just going to be a game manager because he's limited physically and he'll just, like, dump it off and try not to make mistakes. Where Keenum is just like, YOLO, I'm throwing, <laughs> I don't care. I am throwing it into double coverage here or I'm launching it down the field. There was a play. No window is too tight. <laughs> th- yeah, there was a play where uh, Adam Thielen, they, they actually call it pass interference on the Packers. Thielen was double covered 40, 50 yards down the field and he just threw it up like a punt. And it was knocked down, but it was interference, and they end up with a big play because of it. But a lot of times, the cornerback turns around, intercepts the ball, and is right there. So there were plenty of things that kind of got painted over because the big storyline was Aaron Rodgers. But the reality about Case Keenum is that he's not a very good quarterback. Otherwise, he would be an NFL starter. As we laid out with Mike Lennon, someone would have paid him a gazillion dollars if they believed that he could win them any games as a starter. And there's a reason that they didn't. Because he more often plays like the game against the Lions, the game against the Packers, and sometimes that can get you beat. The Lions game, they played great defense, but Keenan made mistakes. They got a bad break on the Delvin Cook injury. Well, and, and, the, um, and you lose. the turnover by McKinnon. Yes. Can't forget the Wildcat. Yep. Look, I, I feel right. like I've been thumping the Case Keenum card a little bit too hard lately. I, mean, I know that people are 
don't want to hear it, but it's their best option right now. Oh, this sure, is yeah. literally, like, there's no question that they can win games with this dude, and especially the next two games, 100% winnable. Mm-hmm. Like, all things considered, I mean, you play a Ravens team that, as you said, okay on defense, horrible on offense. 31st or 32nd passing offense in the league. Joe Flacco, who had like nine receivers last year to throw to. Um, I don't know what's happened. The receivers, I mean, they've taken a lot of blame. And, you know, rightfully so. I mean, he's not been able to establish a passing game. But and then you have a Browns team that they're the Browns. They're, they're probably not going to win that game. I just I, – I haven't even scouted Weird them Weird things happen in London, right? but yes, I agree. Coaches get left in London. That's what I've learned. Raiders had that happen a few years ago. They fired um, – what's his name? Well, I thought they just didn't remember that he had come with No, them. no, they left him there. So, no, he had but, to fly himself back? I don't know. I just know that he was fired in London, and then Tony Sperano, Vikings offensive line coach now, was named um, the interim head coach. Oh. That's where he buried the, foot- That's right. buried the football, total football, football guy move. Yes. Like, we're not going to go 0-10, you know, the whole thing. But um, with – where were we even going with this? Like uh, just the, the scenario, Keenum. yeah, the scenario yeah. where they could lose. Yeah, I mean, I think cases. There's a, he's performing like a top ten quarterback. You can't ignore that right now. Nobody expects this to last, and that's fine. Which is why you know, big picture wise, the Vikings may need Teddy Bridgewater week ten, eleven, anywhere there. If they're you know now with the NFC North wide open. Um, it may come down to that where they hey they've got to win games. They don't want this to become a 7 and 9 finish, start, you know, 6 and 2 and then really struggle down down the stretch. So I I he can win you games. He's a, you know, in the system that he's at right now, he's fine. Just I don't I don't think many other variables can come into this to, you know, change it one way or the other. I think he can win so long as they get Big plays in the screen game yes, from and Jarek been, McKinnon. It's been huge. And they've been able to run more up-tempo, which yeah, has not happened helped. really until the last two or three weeks. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's saying something about Case being able to, you know, command an offense where they're able to catch the defense off guard. Um, and the screen game, too. I mean, they're that's been something they worked on all offseason. That was a huge talking point for Mike Zimmer in the preseason, and they've been able to master that so far. I do think we have a tendency with backup quarterbacks – and I don't know why this is, but just it's a classic football thing. If a backup quarterback briefly plays well, and we know that NFL teams do this too, so it's not just us. Matt Flynn, right? That guy's still getting paid by six different teams who found <laughs> out that he's really bad. Um, but if w- with Keenum, the majority of his games have not been good. Like He's, he's done enough. He, right. He's okay against the Bears, but he averaged like six yards in attempt. He was throwing the ball short a lot. Well, I think this, was, you have to look at the situation, too. He came in the game with 25 seconds left. That's, that's more, instead of looking at the overall how he, how he performed, that's ma- game management. That's what you want. I mean, he was literally thrown into the fire there. But he's been bad in every other game. He was bad against Pittsburgh. He, he was, was bad against Detroit. He was bad against Green Bay. He wasn't bad against Tampa Bay. No, he was really good against Tampa Bay, like freakishly, weirdly good. And, I mean, the Packers were depleted. But so were the Vikings on offense. I mean, they don't have Dalvin Cook. They didn't have Stephon Diggs. And he still, you know, was able to manage that screen game to establish it at a pretty high level early on. Um, Talked about Chicago. Yeah, Detroit was bad. Detroit was not good. Um, I think the Packers game was really bad. I thought the way he played, the way I looked at it on – tape going back through it I thought he played really poorly he had some questionable decisions in that game as you mentioned with the you know the ball that 
you know, was called for pass interference with Thielen that could have been a lot worse. Um, I think he got a little too, um, what's the word, not uh, not gun shy. What's the opposite of that? Where you get like too overconfident yeah, in your yeah, throws. Yeah, I think that I um, think that's a staple of Case Keenum. Yeah. So. So well, the, the point just being that you laid out that scenario that if he plays the same way and this defense still has playmakers, they get a pick six or something. It's always possible that the Ravens could win. The only other scenario I see, tell me how likely you think this is, is that Joe Flacco finds it. And I'm not saying that that's likely because this Vikings defense is one of the best in the NFL, but I would say it's possible. It was almost possible last week. They had a, came back from 11-point deficit in the fourth quarter. And I think he's starting to get healthy and more comfortable. Not by a ton because it still didn't look like a very good game against the Bears, but... He had to sit out all of preseason, all of training camp, and then just be thrown right back in. And I think that that's impacted him quite a bit. He was very good against the Raiders, and then he was a little bit better last week. And there's always the chance that Flacco, with the big arm, he hit two big passes to uh, Mike Wallace mm-hmm. with Oakland. There's always a chance that if, you, you're, if you're the Vikings, you're playing a backup quarterback, maybe you score 20 points, that they get – a defensive touchdown, they're one of the best on special teams, and, you know, maybe Joe Flacco comes through. All right, before we rack up, wrap up, I mean. I didn't even get to say what I thought about Joe Flacco. Oh, that's right, sorry. Yeah, thanks for talking over me there, kidding. Sorry, what do you think um, of Joe Flacco? Well, I just thought it was interesting because uh, ESPN put out this thing the other day in the magazine, Quarterback Confidential, and he was, like, the third most, like, these are talking to players in the locker room. Um some some players decide to put their name on stuff. It's like, who do you want to sack the most? Who's who's the most, um, you know, who's the biggest trash talker? And he was voted as the third most overrated quarterback. He has to play up to that contract. He got a pretty big deal. And I, I, and I know that he's had moments of, you know, flashes of clutchness before. Um, but I, I agree. I just think that ever since the Super Bowl year, I really haven't been all that impressed with Joe Flacco. And that was, what, five years ago? Yeah, I think he had a kind of a bounce back season in 2014, mm-hmm. and that was it. And that was like the last time he's been any good. But yeah, I mean, the whole debate of whether he's an elite quarterback has gone out the window. Oh, totally. No one's even discussing and he that had, anymore. He had so many playmakers last year, and he did spread the ball around to his credit um, quite a bit early in the season. It was like up to like week five, and then things kind of went downhill. Mm-hmm. So we know that you have the Vikings winning the game, as do I, as they really should. Just last thing, Stephon Diggs and Michael Floyd dinged up. Diggs may be back because he was out there today. Did not practice today in looking at the injury report. Oh, okay. He so did it's not. A, yeah, so both he and Floyd, who have been out for the last two days and Diggs missing the Packers game in the last three practices last week, um, both of them did not participate today. Okay. Although so he, had, he had a helmet on. He was going through, like, motions, but he was kind of sitting back. I, I didn't I, – I said he was limited when we were out there. Yeah, I thought since he had the helmet on that he would be back practicing, but I guess must Anthony not Barr was limited. So that must be some good news that he might be coming out of the concussion protocol soon. So if Stephon Diggs is out and Michael Floyd is out, that puts some spotlight on one Laquan Treadwell. Yes. Thoughts? Man, gosh, he's he the patience, I think, for him has paid off, and he has this opportunity right there in front of him. He has he has to, like, not overthink it. Mike Zimmer brought up a brilliant point this afternoon. He's like, this – Sometimes, you know, what, you know what it's like to be a little, like, called – has anybody ever called you extra, like, 
Matt, you're being too extra today. Do you know what that is? No. Just means you're doing too much. Like, just just ease back a little bit. Chill out. And he's – that's what Zimmer – it's what I took from Mike Zimmer, saying, hey, Laquan, don't be too extra. Like, stop being so extra out there. Because he's – he said, you know, he, he might come out here and run routes for an hour after the game or, or after practice today. Or he might – you know, he's always saying, I have to do this. I have to get – better and obviously all those things are true but I think some of that pressure he puts on himself is too much um to where it, it's counterproductive for a guy like that who came off a big injury that he had his junior or his sophomore season in college um you know obviously left early to you know be a first round pick there are all these things that he has to live up to probably in his mind and I think he did a good job last week of preparing himself for what's next that Diggs is um his his snaps are not going to be available all that often, but when they are, and when Michael Floyd is not in the game, he this, this, he has to be he has to step up because he could have his chance now. I mean, it's going to be the Adam Thielen game. That's what you're going to lean on, and obviously you're going to want to get more out of Kyle Rudolph as he has been getting uh, Case Keenum. That is, but Laquan has a golden opportunity here. The run block that the 15 yard penalty, I think it was a positive sign. I know that it's it's an interesting call there, and you, know, you can't go in and try to take someone's head off. But you know, for me, that's been a staple of why he's so valuable to this offense. And we saw three catches for fifty-one yards last week. That's pretty good. I'll put that under believe it when I see it with yes. Laquan Treadwell because he's gonna have to be open. He's gonna have to have the right route depths. He's gonna have to get everything right pre-snap, post-snap, all those things that he struggled with in order to actually be a weapon, but the door is open. It's, it's the opportunities there, without question. I mean, this is – you couldn't paint this any better unless you took Thielen out of the game too, and then all of a sudden Jerry is right, your number one, and Laquan's your number two. Because, you know, you see with Stacey Coley and potentially, I guess, I mean, Mike Zimmer left the door open for Rodney Adams, you know, those guys having more of an impact on special teams where that leads Treadwell to, hey – you know, majority of these of these passes could come your way. Mm-hmm. Um, Ravens jersey worse than the NFL? Close. My brother had an Ed Reed jersey growing up. I don't know why, but it was it was pretty sick. Like that, the Maryland State flag is a problem. I will say that I don't understand the shield. I don't understand like why it's like fifteen different colors. But I think it is a pretty cool jersey. I like the color purple too. So, okay, I mean, that's then uh, we're on different ends here because I think that it's I think it's bottom of the barrel. But it hasn't changed. You know they they've kept that thing the same for a long Super Bowl years. Um, you know all of the you know Ray Lewis years. I mean those black outline numbers are pretty sick. You could see him good on TV. Oof, I don't know about <laughs> that. Uh, I, I maybe the Jaguars and maybe the Tampa Bay Bucks. Pretty much everything from Florida is pretty bad. Oh gosh, but, can you, have you seen their what is it color rush uniforms that are like? Oh man, tangerine. Yeah, tangerine I, beige throw up color. <laughs> and they, I mean, they look like an indoor football league team yeah. on a week to week basis with those jerseys. Like you'll never win with those. No way. Uh, but. The Ravens, I just the dark on dark, black on purple. Yeah. I don't know. I think I need some contrast there. I also thought it was, especially when they came into the league with the shield with wings, that was especially stupid. <laughs> so they, at least they fixed that up a little bit. I put them in the bottom. I All mean, right. you have to play in the snow in Baltimore. So, I mean, you got to like. You don't play in the snow in Baltimore. Don't you? I mean. No. Why? The snow in Baltimore. Oh, come on. Not much. The last time they played, it snowed. When? In 2013. That was the crazy five-touchdown oh, game in okay. two minutes. It snows there. You have to be able to see yourself in the snow. It does not snow that often. Baltimore is, like, basically 
New England kind no, of. <laughs> what the hell map are you looking at? Stick to football. Yeah, that's no. It snows there. It gets cold there. I've been there. Stay I've away been to the from airport. Geography. It is. It gets cold there. Yes, you're a Baltimore expert. Uh, do you know about crab cakes? Uh, no, I, I have never had crab cakes in Baltimore. That makes no, me a so. bigger expert than you. But I know a lot about snow. I did too. I'm from Chicago, with snows down there. Yeah, you're more of a wind person. <laughs> wind. <laughs> All right, that's it. No more weather and geography talk. Bye. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.